Theology of the Body Institute. This is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Welcome to today's podcast, Ask Christopher West. I'm Wendy West here with my husband. Hi, everybody. And we're excited to answer more of your questions today. And we promised you in the last episode that we would share at the beginning my half of the weekend of misadventures that Wendy and I had a couple weeks ago. Last episode, if you haven't heard it, you can go back and listen where Wendy got herself out into the wilds of West Virginia with exactly. a friend lost on a gravel road that quickly became a an old dirt road <laughs> that you said, I can't go down there. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Well, I made the stupid mistake right on the same weekend yeah. of seeing an old dirt road, and I'm in the minivan with the kids. This is in Vermont. I took the kids on a, a little weekend getaway to Vermont, which is an eight-hour drive. We have a friend who has a cabin up there. I had never been there. And uh, he gave me these directions. Well, what he didn't know is that the road, that they had had so much rain up in Vermont, this dirt road that the cabin is on had been washed out. So I had no way of having any forewarning of what I was up against. It's 9 o'clock at night. It's dark. We're driving on this dirt road that's really washed out. We felt like we were four-wheeling, all five kids in the back of the minivan. And we came to this hill. Scary, actually. It was scary. And I, I was like, I have to get to this cabin. We don't have anywhere else to stay. What am I going to do? Oh, and I no. got to this hill, and one of the kids said, are you going down that hill? I said, well, I think I can make it. What I didn't realize was there's this big rut from, from the rain that had washed uh-huh. out this section of the road, and boom, I felt the front tires go in. I was like, oh, that's not good. That's not good at all. And I was envisioning that we were going to be sleeping in the van all night. And <laughs> oh, no. Thanks be to God, there was a, another cabin there. Some guy was staying in the cabin, this other cabin. And uh, I, I asked him if he had any suggestions for me. And he said, well, my son has another cabin up here. Let's go talk to him. He has a truck. Maybe he can get you out. Anyway, thank you, Frank, in Vermont. I don't know your last name, but you came, yeah. you crawled under our minivan in the mud, uh, and you found a place to hook this strap to some frame of the car and then hooked it to his truck and pulled us out. It could have been really, really bad. But I will say, this is a grace in my life, Wendy, and you can attest to it. Yes. Because there would have been a time in my life, and it may even happen again, because I know I go through cyclical patterns of living in grace and then falling out of it, but... There would have been a time in my life when automatically that happened and I would not have handled it very well at all. Mm -hmm. All kinds of profanities may have been released from my mouth, even in the presence of our children, which then I would later regret terribly. But none of that happened, thanks be to God. I even laughed. (laughs) That is a grace. Isn't that a grace? That's a grace. That's beautiful. Uh, What else could I do? We're stuck in the middle of nowhere in Vermont, 9.30 at night. You know what else you could do? You could have a grown-up temper tantrum. That's what you could have done. I've done that in the past, but this time, time I just looked at the dilemma that I did not want to be in, couldn't believe I was in it. I knew I couldn't do anything about it, Mm -hmm. and I just started to laugh. It was an actual, real grace Moment. Yeah, and you showed me a picture of our kids, like pointing out the spot where the van right. had been stuck. I assume this was taken that, yep. after the van, after got the van had out. gotten removed. Yes. So that was the moment of rejoicing that it you was. were free. That that is very good. Thank you, God, and thank you for Frank. Yeah, 
That is, it just, it, it does strike me very funny that both those yeah, things happen at the same time in such different parts of our country. Okay. <laughs> Shall we begin Let's with some listeners' begin with questions? Some questions? This is from a listener named Mary Pat who says Hi, Mary Pat. I am drawn to the theology of the body. I just watched your 15 minute interview about this, and your ending comments were something like, This will change your life, this will rock your world. I think this is something I'm ready to dive into. Can you direct me on how to start? Bless you, Mary Pat. Yes, this is what I do. <laughs> and I'm, if anybody knows what that quote is from, that's a movie. If you know what movie, this is what I do, <laughs> then you can uh, let us know if you know what that movie is. Anyway, Mary Pat, I, this, is, this is what I love to do is just help people enter in. I don't know what you've been exposed to, and I'm just going to assume all you've seen is maybe that 15-minute interview. I don't know which interview that was. And you're listening to this podcast, obviously, so keep listening to the podcast. But here, yeah, that here, was a good place to start. Yeah, it's a great place listening to start. Listening to our podcast, that's great. Here are some steps, kind of in an ascending order. I would suggest Theology of the Body for Beginners. If you are a reader, go to Theology of the Body for Beginners. A next step from that, if you like to watch and learn, you watch that interview, you know, go on YouTube and just type in my name and all kinds of videos will come up. And not just my name, please expose yourself also to the other people out there doing great work with Theology of the Body. And I'll give you a couple names. Katrina Zeno, Damon Owens, Jason Everett, Evan Lemoyne, he's doing a lot of work in Spanish, great work. Bill Dunahy, he's a colleague of mine at the Theology of the Body Institute. I know I'm forgetting somebody. So somebody out there, forgive me, you're going to say, why didn't you mention me? Uh, because I can't keep everybody's name straight. Here's a couple organizations, though, you could learn more about. Of course, the Theology of the Body Institute and the courses that we teach there. I'd encourage you, urge you, prayerfully consider coming to TOB Level 1. Uh, we offer that about four times a year. The next one is going to be in Cleveland from September 8th to the 13th, 13th of 2019. And, and Mary Pat, can I just interject here? If you do, or I should say when you come to Theology yeah. Body One, I want you to tell Christopher that you were the one who yes, asked this question on the do. podcast. I think that would be a blessing. Please do. A couple other organizations to be aware of would be Dumb Ox Ministries, they do great stuff. Uh, Ascension Press has some great programs for teens. If you have teens at home, Mary Pat, don't know if you do or what your stage in life is. Also, the Theology of the Body International Alliance, T-O-B-I-A, Tobiah, is a great resource. And Tobit, Theology of the Body Evangelization Teams, that's a great resource. Uh, the work of... Um, Damon Owens, I already mentioned, his organization is called Joy T-O-B. So those are some places you can go. You can certainly go to Theology of the Body Institute website, learn more about our resources, just start shopping around. And, of course, that free course that we've been offering on the, on the podcast, that'd be a great place to start to learn more. So just go to askchristopherwest.com forward slash free course. And I can't help but mention, of course, the Theology of the Body Institute community. If you become a patron, Mary Pat, of the work that we're doing, you will be helping us to get this message out around the world, 
and we want to dedicate ourselves to helping our patrons to learn, live, and share this. So there are lots of different levels of patronship or patronage, forgive me, and you'll see on the website there as well what kind of formation that we offer our patrons. So that would be a great, great way to continue your journey. Yes. Thank you for asking, Mary Pat. Bless you, Mary Pat. The next question is from a listener named Rosalind. Hi, Rosalind. Rosalind has a question about her workplace. She says, Pride Month, in quotes, is in June. My workplace is encouraging employees to march in the city pride parade, go to Pride Fest. I'm also guessing they will be highlighting people with same-sex attraction, transgenderism within the workplace. I want to be supportive of my brothers and sisters on earth because we're all children of God and he's blessed us in innumerable ways. However, the above makes me uncomfortable. And if I would say how I felt, I would probably be labeled as homophobic, intolerant, overly religious, etc. What is the best way to show our brothers and sisters the love of God, but not embrace the sinful part of their lives? Rosalind, I wish I had an answer that was, here's the easy one, two, three formula for loving people best with the love of God. Mm. Uh, I do not, but I can say a few things that I hope will maybe encourage you and uh, give you some food for thought. So I understand the discomfort, and I would say that discomfort is entirely appropriate because underneath the language of pride, underneath the language of tolerance, underneath the language of equality, we're aware that something is not right here. And the thing that is not right here is that We're fallen human beings. This is very important. You said it and you nailed it, Rosalind, when you said we're all children of God, but something here makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to support that. What we can support, what we should support is just what you said. We are all children of God. We had a question a couple weeks ago on a podcast where somebody asked, you know, where does it say in the Bible that gay people are bad? The question itself is problematic because... We're just people. We are men and women made in the image and likeness of God, all of us. And these labels, when we identify our whole humanity with certain aspects of our humanity, we are reducing the human person to something less than what the human person is. And the full truth of what the human person is, is revealed in God's original plan for us. The world is broken. The world is fallen. But let me be more specific. The world is kind of an abstract concept, isn't it? No, human beings are broken. Human beings are fallen. And there is no exception to that except for the Blessed Mother and the Word made flesh. Those are the only humans who were not fallen, right? So we are fallen. We cannot and mustn't celebrate those aspects of our humanity that are fallen, And this is what's going on when we take pride in something that is a result of our fallenness. How do we love people who are celebrating their fallenness as if it's the way God made them? Number one, we have to recognize we are fallen. And we're not in a place to hold ourselves up as somebody who's got it all figured out and wag fingers at anybody else, but to gently invite the whole human race to recognize that the common ground we share, 
Number one, we're all children of God. We share the same dignity. And number two, we're all broken. We're all very broken. And we make a tragic mistake when we look at the broken aspects of our humanity as something good. We are all in need of redemption. We are all in need of healing of our brokenness. I've said this before. I'll say it again. So important. It's okay that we are broken because there's a solution. That's what Christ came to do, save us in our brokenness. It's okay that we're broken because there's a remedy, but it is not okay to call our brokenness health. And this is what's going on in a so-called pride parade, where something that is broken in our humanity is being celebrated as something God-given. When we kind of dig our heels in and say, God made me this way and I'm going to celebrate it, we're really forfeiting the opportunity to allow God to remake us. I'll also say this, Rosalind, we will be persecuted in this world for holding to that truth. And there's no way around that. We will take hits. We will be labeled this or that. I remember a great relief I had some years ago when it dawned on me, because I'm always, and we should be, always trying to find the best language to use that's the, you know, the least jarring or the least offensive, but without compromising the truth. So I'm always looking for the right way to say it without compromising the truth. And it dawned on me, and this was a great relief to me, that Jesus, who was perfect, always said exactly the right thing mm. in the right way at the right time with the right nuance with the right gesture with the right glance in his eyes and they still killed him mm. so we're never going to say it 100% correct we're never going to have precisely the right gesture or nuance because sometimes our pride will get mixed in, sometimes our anger will get mixed in, sometimes our own ignorance or confusion will get mixed in. But even if we do find the perfect formula, guess what? They'll still kill us because there is a spirit that doesn't like truth. And it's not just out there. There's a spirit in us that doesn't like truth. It's hard. The truth is difficult. Following Jesus is a bloody mess, but it leads to glory. It leads to glory. Are, what are we willing to die for? What are we willing to stand for? These are all the questions we have to ask. And, and when we do recognize the price, especially in the current climate of standing up for these eternal truths, it can be very daunting. And we are then confronted face to face with our own weakness, our own fears, our own clinging to security, our own brokenness and dysfunction. And that reminds us we're in the same boat as everybody. And all we can do is get on our knees and say, Lord, meet me where I am mm -hmm. with your mercy and help me to meet everyone else where they are with your mercy. I think that what you just said about getting on our knees and asking for mercy is particularly touching when you think about the name of the month is Pride Month. You know, for mm, Rosalind... Mm. Obviously, like the things that are kind of coming through in Christopher's response are, you know, that need to be an intercessor for people in these difficult situations and the humility for our, ourselves to not 
think ourselves superior to others, you know, both not having the same struggles, but also understanding, you know, all of that, to, you know, let it be an opportunity to grow in humility. And I think that's interesting that it's, it's called yes. Pride Month. Like, if the Lord yeah. wants to just speak to our hearts and say, you know, where's your wrong kind of pride? Ooh, ooh, you know, Wendy, that's a great point. Let this be a time of openness to the Lord's Word, to our own hearts, that if we are prayerful and humble, there may be someone who can come to you, you mm, know, mm, recognizing mm. that which is flowing from your heart that wouldn't if you appeared superior or judgmental. So we certainly pray that that is the case. Let's respond. If I can sum up, and this is a great insight you just offered, Wendy. If I could sum up, let's respond to Pride Month by making it Humility Month. Mm. Let's respond with humility. And what is humility? Humility is just recognition of the truth. Mm-hmm. Amen. There's an anonymous question. Should the theology of the body include how we care for our bodies, such as exercise and food? Absolutely. Of course. Uh, and John Paul II, at the end of his catechesis, and just for those who are may- maybe tuning in here and you hear us talking about T.O.B. and theology of the body and you don't even know what that is, uh, theology of the body is a collection of 129 short talks that John Paul II delivered between 1979 and 1984. It's, it's a vision of what it means to be human. Why are we this unity of body and soul? And why, as a unity of body and soul, are we male and female? That's the primary question John Paul is seeking to address in the theology of the body. Why are we male and female? In fact, the title of the collection of all of those talks, the title of the book, is Man and Woman, He Created Them. But at the end of all of those talks, John Paul II says something very important. He says, it must not be thought that what I have provided in these series of talks is itself the all-encompassing theology of the body. He says there are many, many areas Hmm. uh, that pertain to a theology of the body that I have not covered. Mm -hmm. He listed a few, like suffering and death. And certainly, here we have this anonymous questioner recognizing this pertains to how we care for our bodies, exercise, and eating. But here, as in all areas, we have to be careful not to fall into a certain exaggeration where we take on the mindset in the secular world of a kind of cult of exercise or a kind of cult of, of the proper dieting where any, any good thing can have its extreme and any good thing can become a kind of idol that we bow down to, mm-hmm. right? In the end, your body, like mine, will return to dust, in the meantime, we take care of our bodies. We try to be as healthy as we can. But, but just beware of those exaggerations that can turn into a kind of cult of exercise or a cult of eating only such and such a food or, or, or whatnot, because it can tend towards an exaggeration that itself is not healthy. Can you think of, I'm just kind of furthering um, this question a little bit, just wondering if you can think of any specific places in the Pope's talks that could kind of provide guidance for that attitude toward 
caring for the body. I don't know if anything specific comes to mind. Yeah, he says something specific does come to mind. He says, and this is in the context of chastity, but we can immediately apply it to any realm of the body whatsoever. He says, the best motivation for living a chaste life is to understand the true value and dignity and beauty of the body. Mm. So we can apply that to exercise. The best motivation for a balanced approach to exercise is coming to know, value, and appreciate the true dignity and beauty of the body. Mm -hmm. We can apply that to eating, how we eat. We can apply that to how we sleep and making sure we're getting good sleep. And even as I say it, I know I need to take that more to heart. (laughs) I need to take all of this more to heart. As do I. Uh, Because we also have, we, we struggle all the time with weaknesses. And, you know, if we're going to draw certain lines in the sand about, well, I really shouldn't eat such and such, or I really should get X number of minutes of exercise in a day. Yeah, okay, that, those are fine and good things, absolutely. But also just be aware that you're weak. And there are times when we can't always exercise X number of minutes a day, or what have you. And we have to respect every person's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some people who maybe it's not the right time in their life to exercise because they have however many kids under the age of five or whatever. <laughs> I know? have a little thing to share. Yeah, I feel please. a little maybe prompting the Holy Spirit to go ahead and share something so. a little bit from my private journey. And certainly I'm not one who idolizes exercise and healthy eating. <laughs> um, and... You know, I, I'm not trying to make light of that. I, I, it's like with many people, it's an ongoing group of questions, not just one question, many questions. And one of the questions that just comes to my mind is even how important is this to the Lord compared to maybe some other things going on in my heart? All that aside, I will share something that I feel I've taken from my exposure to theology of the body into the realm of times in my life when I need to lose some weight. And the thing I recognized in myself is that the reason that I've gained weight in part is because my body is designed to store extra calories in case I should need them at some point. And that I could have the attitude of like rejection of my body with its extra storage that it has. Um, Plus your extra storage. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that from my husband. That's great. Thank you. Um, but I recognize that, you know, as I am in times of when I'm trying to use up some of those extra calories I've been storing, that I could really be in my own mind and heart talking to myself or to my, you know, the, the reality of my physical condition in, in different ways. And one could be, frustration and annoyance or even like a a level of rejection Mm -hmm. toward maybe why is this difficult? What's wrong with my metabolism? You know, those kinds of things. But that I've had a desire to just kind of affirm my own body as it is by saying to myself, say I'm in front of the mirror, you have done a good job. You've done what the Lord made you to do. Mm. You know, that, that is part of God's design that you can store this extra. And 
I thank you. Like mm. just good to talk you're being to good my to your body. body in that positive way. Yes, and, yes. and then in the encouragement to say, now it's time to use up some of that extra that you've stored. It maybe sounds silly, but it brings together that sense of like God has a, a beautiful plan and my body is good. And to encourage the good instead of reject something that the culture might tell me is bad about my body. Lover, you're putting your finger on something really tender, I'm sure, in the hearts of many listeners out there. And I want to add this to build on what you were just saying, Mm -hmm. that I think a question we need to ask ourselves is what's motivating the way we're eating or the way we're exercising? Is it really genuine love and appreciation for our bodies as God made them? Or, and I'll share confession from my own journey and story, is that oftentimes my I take a certain pride in the fact that I'm 150 pounds and that's what I weighed when I was 19 years old and I still weigh that, but the weight has shifted <laughs> and it's not so it's not the same firm 150 pounds actually to be honest I'm pushing it I'm like 156 but I'm still in the zone and I think why do I why do I so desperately want to be in that same zone why do I take a certain pride in I'm still the same weight I was relatively speaking to when I was 19 <laughs> years old and and I know what's underneath it oftentimes is a fear that I'm not lovable uh, I better lose some weight because then I can love myself. I better lose some weight because then other people will think of me as lovable. I better fill in the blank so that I can be lovable. Mm-hmm. When that's our motivating factor, we are being motivated by a lie. And it's never, ever good to be motivated by a lie. Mm-hmm. And the lie, if that's my motivation, I have to do something to make myself lovable. The lie is, I'm not lovable as I am. And even if my weight is a manifestation of all kinds of conflicts and weaknesses or whatever, I can't control my appetite, I, don't, I eat too much or I eat unhealthily, guess what? You're loved right there. And the motivation for wanting to lose weight or exercise should not be to win people's love and approval. Mm-hmm. The motivation for any of this, if it's coming from a healthy place, comes from exactly what we were saying earlier, where John Paul says the right motivation for the way we live our bodies is a proper understanding of the value, dignity, goodness, and beauty of our bodies. Mm. And what you shared, Wendy, is I think the fruit of a lot of hard interior work. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're under pressure all the time from this culture to hate ourselves, mm-hmm. to hate our bodies. Why? Because for three easy payments of 1995, <laughs> the reason the culture wants us to hate our bodies is because they have products to sell us mm. to, to, to better our bodies, right? It's all a racket. Mm-hmm. You are loved as you are. Start from there and maybe part of loving your body, that can be the motivation for a healthier way of eating or a healthier exercise routine coming from love of your body, mm-hmm. not the thought that your body is not lovable or that you are not lovable and you are your body. That's one of the main teachings of the theology of the body. A body's not just something we have. The body's something we, we are. You're lovable as you 
are. That's why we're doing this work. That's what the Theology of the Body Institute is all about, to help people know how lovable they are. Mm. Amen. Another question, also anonymous. Will Christopher and Wendy write a book together? Well, I can express my desire to do that, but I want to hear your answer to that question. <laughs> that was a that was a that's like giving a pop quiz, you know, you know, asking a question that kind of feels. Wait, I wasn't prepared to answer well, this. What question. I'm interested in is that you are the curator of our questions. But this is true, and, and I you went ahead. Chose. I went ahead and asked it. Okay, so what do you say, <laughs> Wendy? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know, but I I do think it's certainly it's possible. It's. Here's a struggle that Christopher and I have. I don't know, you know, every set of personalities, we have a little bit of an attraction of opposites going on in our yes, relationship. And, and Christopher is a work-until-it's-done person. <laughs> and I'm a fluctuating <laughs> level of energy and commitment kind of person. <laughs> so, you know, that's a challenge to us. It would affect the way we went about the project yeah, together. Yeah, um, so if we started today, if, not that I'm saying we are, but if we made the commitment today to write a book together, it would probably be out, be out in like 2026 20, <laughs> or 7. Okay, that's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> I said with such love for your person and a little ounce of frustration mixed in. But even there, I have love for you in the frustration. It is, it is this attraction of opposites, and we've, right. we have come. It used to drive each other crazy in yeah. some ways, but we have come to just, that's Wendy being Wendy, and that's Christopher being Christopher, so and true. learning to accept that and love each that's other right, right there. So if it happens, maybe you all should start praying for yes, it. Yes, pray for it, and, and pray, pray for us, and what we'll, how we'll have to love one that's another right. through it. That's right, and we'll, we will certainly know that it was miracle of grace, and we'll thank the Lord for it. Guys, thank you so much for all the questions you send us. If you want to submit a question, you can go to askchristopherwest.com and do it there. We would also ask you prayerfully to consider becoming a patron of the Theology of the Body Institute. We want to be a source in your life of ongoing formation in this vision, and we really want to serve you. And we would ask that you would help serve us to get this message out around the world. If you have been blessed by what you're hearing in this podcast, know that behind it is a whole team of people, a staff at the Theology of the Body Institute, offering courses, offering live events around the world, coming up with new creative ideas and ways of getting this message out. And we need people who believe in what we're doing to to be our patrons, to enable us to continue this work. We have a a multi-million dollar vision that's going to cost multi-millions to to really do what we feel called to do to get this message out into the arts, into academic life, out into the culture, not just here in the Catholic Church or the broader Christian community. We want to go out into the secular world with it too, and that's going to cost us millions to do it. But we believe there are people out there who believe in what we're doing, and we're inviting you to be a patron of the Institute, and in return... For different levels of patronage, we have different levels of formation that we want to offer you in an ongoing way to help form you to learn, live, and share this theology of the body. So just scroll down right now on your phone or on your screen, click the link in the show notes to where you can learn more about becoming a patron of the Theology of the Body Institute and join our global community of men and women 
who are learning, living, and sharing this theology of the body. Until next time, God bless you. You are a person made in the image and likeness of God. Become what you are, in the words of JP2. Peace. Ask Christopher West comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Christopher and Wendy hope the information presented is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, you can find a list of trusted counselors and psychologists in the show notes. But the weight has shifted. <laughs> and it's not so it's not the same firm 150 pounds actually to be honest I'm pushing it I'm like 20 26 <laughs> or 7 